welcome to the very first episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show. Where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Justin Gregory. And I'm Zoe George. And for the next three weeks, we're following all the action from the White Ferns as they compete at the ICC World T20 in the West Indies. We've got analysis, which is more like armchair punditry, which is, let's face it, the best kind of analysis. Yeah, it is. Insight from some interesting cricket fans, including musicians, politicians, cricketers themselves, and, of course, you. You can join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app and find more at rnz.co.nz. We'll be bringing you pro tips, quick hits, and cricket puns, obviously, so you've got to keep your eye on the ball. And each episode we get historical at the New Zealand Cricket Museum at the Basin Reserve. And we have a swear jar. Yeah. Every time someone says something like batsmen instead of batter, or girls instead of women, or worse, ladies, it's a dollar in the jar. Well, actually, Justin, you will hear from Amy Sathaway later on about that word, ladies. Well, all right, look forward to that. (laughs) And this is Not Your Average Cricket Show, so it only seems right to have Not Your Average Cricket Show hosts. Uh, Justin Gregory, you are an opening batsman. Yeah, I identify as a left-handed opening batsman and recovering wicketkeeper. <laughs> yeah, and I was an opening bowler, but I, I think I'd much prefer to talk about cricket than play these days, to be quite honest. Yep, yep. <laughs> you yep. can find all our profiles on rnz.co.nz. And on today's show, we're going to give our predictions for the tournament, chat with a couple of international men's players, hit the streets to see what you think of the team, and discover all kinds of things at the New Zealand Cricket Museum. We'll have guests each episode to give us their take, and today it's the turn of Black Caps all-rounder Jimmy Neesham and pace bowler turned coach Hamish Bennett. Lads, welcome. First question's most obvious one. Who's going to win? Jimmy? Hamish? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for being here. Um, oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think mm. the conditions are, are really challenging for our, our women. Almost an early swear jar incident. Um I think you get the traditional, the powerhouses of women's cricket, don't you? The sort of England, um, Australia, India have made huge progress recently. So I think that's probably um, your top three. And then um, obviously, hopefully, we can um, have a few upsets. West Indies are their current T20 world champs, though, aren't they? They're not in your list there? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think the West Indies would definitely be a smoky. I think they're, like you said, they're the current champs. I think they, they struggle travelling, as we saw when they came out to New Zealand um, last summer. So... Definitely at home, they'd definitely be um, one of the. Well, they'd be a smoky. I would think they could. I'll I'd, I'd get close to the semi-final stage, and then probably could upset one of the um, one of the big two or the big three. Well, the West Indies uh, beat New Zealand today in their warm-up game. It's one of two warm-up games for the White Ferns. They played Sri Lanka earlier in the week, which they won uh, today. Yeah, it wasn't the White Ferns' day. Uh, they set one twenty-three which the West Indies were able to chase down in 18 overs. The first, Ouch. I don't know if you were following the commentary, but the first 10 overs, the the Windies came out and just smashed it. It was incredible. Um, so I think they're going to be ones to watch. It's, you know, it's their home turf, isn't it? Yeah, warm-up games are notoriously meaningless, aren't they, for, for sort of tournaments like that. And I think, um, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but really you turn up on your day, especially T20 cricket, um, any team with sort of two or three world class players has a chance, and New Zealand do have that. Mm. Jimmy, you talked before about conditions in the West Indies being difficult for our, our women over there. You've played in the West Indies. What are the actual conditions we're talking about? Uh, well, they've certainly changed a lot in the last 15 or 20 years. I think the um, the classic West Indian fast and bouncy wickets aren't really there anymore. I think, um, especially in Guyana, where the, where the um, warm-up game was today, is very low and slow. It's probably one of the lowest and slowest wickets I've ever played on. 
Um, in fact, I've actually witnessed a, a wicket made in super over in Guyana, so you don't get much uh, flowing run scoring <laughs> there. Um, and it's just, it's almost a subcontinental style country these days. You sort of equate it with Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. It's sort of low and slow and turns a bit. And um, as we all know, those are generally challenging conditions for New Zealanders and Australians. We'll talk more about those conditions shortly. Uh, we mentioned the swear jar just before, and Jimmy mentioned it as well. Long story short, if you say batter instead of batsmen, or girls instead of women, then a dollar goes in the jar. In your team, um, Hamish, do you call the players your boys? Because it's, it's like a camaraderie thing, isn't it? Um, I think some people do. It depends. Like um, where Michael Bracewell and Jimmy come from, from Otago, they always call everyone boy. They're like, boy! Or <laughs> um, beasted anyway. And we've got a couple of South Africans and one, uh, Malcolm Noffel, he calls everyone bud. Oh. He's like, hello, bud. Uh, hey, bud. And that, that grates me. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind I, of a good gender neutral. Yeah, uh, I prefer a mate or just uh, um, when I talk to the talk to the men, I just try and say men. I try to get away from boys or lads or all that. So if I address um, the guys, I, I try and say, like, morning men. Um, this is what we're gonna looking looking to do today. We'll, if we win the toss, we have a bowl and... Yeah, just try and make them feel, because we are men at the end of the day, um, and try and make them feel like that, that they actually, I guess, belong in the workplace and give them a bit of meaning. Mm. Well, let's see what Amy Sathwaite has to say about the term batsman or batter. Oh, look, personally, I'm not too too concerned, but I know that um, some people try to sort of say batswoman, but batter's probably a lot easier just to sort of roll off the tongue, I think. And what about the use of um, the words like girls, ladies, women? I know when you're in a team environment, you call your team, you know, your girls, but that's mm-hmm. a team environment, isn't it? So what are we allowed to call the white ferns? What's okay with you? Oh, I think ladies is, is probably a good one to go with. Um, yeah, I'd say it would be the best one for me. Let's look to the World T20 competition in West Indies. In your pool, you have India, Australia, Pakistan and Ireland. Is this a bit of a pool of death? Yeah, to a certain extent, I think it is. Um, but I think you probably would say that about the other pool as well. I think the beauty of where the game's gone is that you know lots of different teams can win on their day. So we know that when, whoever we're playing, we're going to have to um, you know perform extremely well and, and be on the money from the get go. And we've got India first, which I think for us is a really good thing because we know that if we want to make it through to the semi-finals, we have to beat you know these other top teams, and um, so it'll be a really great challenge to sort of set the tone, I guess, and, and get us going for the rest of the tournament. How are you preparing for these conditions in the West Indies? Because they're quite different to what we experience in New Zealand and Australia, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We've been fortunate to go over there a couple of times and had a lot of our girls play in those conditions, which I think for us puts us in a good place. Um, It's not completely foreign, but also to a certain extent none of us have been to Guyana specifically, so that will be um, something we're going to have to adjust to. But we've tried to get as much information from people that have played over there uh, previously and, and I guess yeah, absorb as much as we can and then put that into practice. We've got to be able to adjust and adapt as quick as we can to, to make sure that, I guess, we learn to play the best way we can in those conditions. All right. What is, what's your predictions? Top four. Who's going to be in the semifinals? Well, obviously we're going to be there. Of course. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, but I think, I think Australia and England have really set the tone in the last wee while with the way that they've played the T20 format. Uh, and probably I wouldn't write off West Indies in their home conditions as well. What's the realistic goal, though, for the White Ferns? Is winning this competition a realistic goal or is top four the realistic goal? 
I think winning is definitely up there. I think um, we do have to be realistic, like you say, around the teams that we're playing against um, and the, I guess the level that they're at at the moment. But we have got some really world-class players in our side. And I think the beauty of the format um, in T20 cricket is that anything can happen on the day. So if we get some of our world-class performers really stepping up and putting out some big performances, then I certainly think we can win this tournament. So there you have it. Ladies is OK, according to White Ferns captain Amy Satherwaite. Nice one. We talked about who we thought might um, win the competition. You guys gave wonderfully broad answers to that. It was fabulous. Any number of three teams could have won. Or more. Um, <laughs> four. But who amongst this White Fern squad are you picking as your key players for this tournament? Uh, I would think Susie Bates and Sophie Devine mm. at the top of the order, especially with the new ball like James spoke about in Guyana with it being spinning conditions that when the, when the ball's hard, it's probably going to be the best time to score. And then I would think Amelia Kerr. Um, Obviously, world record hold with a bat. I saw she was batting 10 today, mm. um, which is, you know, you go out and score 200, was it 37 in one day game, and you find yourself batting 10 to T20. Um, <laughs> it's a bit unlucky. I think I think her bowling will be, um, I, I think the most oppositions, well, every opposition team will be scouting her and thinking that she's the key. Mm, the key was, bowler for the for the White Ferns. She was able to slow the runway um, against <clears throat> the Windies today in the warm-up game, which was... Which was good. Mm. They were going I, I, for guns. If I was, I would very much consider if I was the White Ferns, not bowling very much pace. Would you open with spin? Oh, I definitely open with spin. Yeah, and maybe even use look to use pace during the middle. But I mean, well, they've got six spin bowlers in their squad, haven't they? So they're following yeah. your advice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sophie Devine unfortunately went for twenty five off two overs today, um, <laughs> but she just she bowls fast and bowls aggressive, so. In those conditions, unfortunately, it's not like the West Indies of 1980 where you can get it flying through and the keeper's reverse cupping it. Unfortunately, it's going to stay low and every batter probably is preferring to face 120, 125 um, as opposed to 70-odd Ks, 75-Ks and the possibility of it spinning both both ways. Jimmy, who are your picks? Uh, I definitely think Amelia Kerr is the most important, I think. I agree with Hamish. Um, over there sometimes the more pace on the ball the better even if you're facing guys that um, normally get it up you in different parts of the world and you're normally trying to avoid facing I think over there you the runs sort of flow and um, I think you can see that in the makeup of the current West Indies men's team as well they've got a lot of spinners a lot of left arm orthodox and I think that's just playing to the conditions in their home country both of you have travelled the world. You've played in lots of different conditions. Uh, each pitch is, is different. And it's not necessarily about the team that's got the best talent. It's about who can adapt the best conditions, right? I actually think the biggest struggle for the White Ferns will be, this will sound funny, is um, they're actually in lockdown in their hotel. Mm. So they're not allowed out of their hotel at all. And they're only allowed out of their hotel for training and for games. Security so, reasons? Yeah, for security reasons. So... Many of the women wouldn't have dealt with that ever before, not being able to leave. Like, we're very fortunate in New Zealand. We can just leave our house whenever we want. And Justin, as you know, growing, growing up in Timaru, you can leave your house unlocked and just <laughs> yeah. and just wander out into the street and go down the road and come back. So I actually think a lot of them, towards the end of the tournament, in, anyway, the pointy end of the tournament, maybe some of the Western teams might actually start getting a bit of cabin fever, might actually start mm. going a bit mad of just being locked inside your hotel with nothing to do. What do you do to combat that, Jimmy? Because you've travelled to places like this and have had experiences like this, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I have quite a bit. I think it'll be challenging because a lot of the ladies won't have um, experienced that before, I guess, being on a tour that long in a country where you can't go outside, and um, especially being in Guyana for the warm-up game, even if they could go outside, there's 
probably not a whole lot of theme parks or nightclubs to to go and venture into. Well, we also managed to catch up with Jacob Oram, and he was able to tell us a little bit about uh, the White Ferns team environment, and I started by asking him how it differs from the Black Caps. First of all, they're more welcoming for my young for my little children. Uh, it's like having 15, 16 aunties around, which is ideal for my wife and I when we're on tour. But no, obviously on the field, is and it's similar but different. Um, and I think part of that is obviously because when I was with the Black Caps, I was a player, and now I'm a support staff. So unless I get an opportunity to be a support staff within the Black Caps, probably can't compare apples with apples, really. But the bottom line is that both groups of players, male or female, are trying to win. They're trying to improve. They're trying to do their best. They're trying to learn. They're trying to be better cricketers and better people. And so the, the crux of it, whether you are male or female, batting or bowling, professional, that's in quotation marks, or not, um, it's the same thing at the end of the day. You're wearing you know, the silver fern and you're trying to win games for New Zealand. So the bottom line is the same, but obviously there are some, some big differences with skill levels and, you know, the, the pace bowlers bowl, the, the the pace the ball comes off the bat. Although with Sophie, Sophie Devine a lot of the time, I would question just how hard females can hit the ball. She definitely can smoke it. So there are some differences, but as I said, at the, the bottom line is that everyone's just trying to win games for New Zealand. What kind of conditions should we expect, Jake? Picture rolled mud, and <laughs> not far off that. Um, that's probably disrespectful to the ground staff over there in Guyana, but um, we are expecting low, slow pitches. I, look, I'll be surprised if we get something with a, with a bit of pace and bounce, put it that way. So maybe 130, 140 will be a good score as opposed to the 160 to 180. It's not our most favoured conditions given that we normally play on something with a bit more grass and bounce in it. So it's not ideal. I mean, it's a little bit of a leveller, but it is what it is. And you don't travel around the world to play in the same conditions. It's part of the test. Um, of cricket. Well, in some of these um, kind of conditions as well, it's not necessarily about the team that's got the best skills, it's about the team that adapts the best to the situation and the conditions, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just about who's going to adapt the best but also handle the pressure the best. I mean, I don't care who you are and how good you are in a certain type of wicket, but if you're under pressure and chasing a big score or someone's bowling well and we're fielding well, it's always hard to score runs. So we just got to make sure we try and you know, get enough runs on the board, bowl our best field like demons, whatever it is, and uh, you know, whatever the conditions are, we must suit the depth. All right, what's the realistic goal for for the White Ferns, and who are your top four? Who's going to make it into the semi-finals? Realistic goal, we're going there to win it, and um, I mean, I don't know if there's that's that's the difference between realistic or unrealistic. It's just we're going over there to win that tournament, and I think we've got a very good chance to do it. We've got some key players. Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, Amy Satterthwaite, the new captain, Amelia Kerr, Leah Tahu, who's bowling well again. So we've got some world-class players. But if they play well and some of our other squad players do their job and we all perform as a team, we've got a hell of a chance. The top four, obviously ourselves, I don't think you can go past Australia and England who are we've played in the last six months and they are extremely polished sides. And then I think one of the subcontinent teams, I'm going with India, but I think watch out for the West Indies, you know, current champions. Obviously, playing at home, they'll be used to the conditions and they have some serious power. So if they get on a bit of a run and get confident, to me, they could be a bit of a um, you know, dark horse and a bit of a scary team to come up against in a do-or-die situation. White Ferns bowling coach Jacob Oram. We're joined by Hamish Bennett and Jimmy Neesham. Hi, we're Griffin and Thomas and we're here supporting the White Ferns. Hi, Mum and Dad. Hi, Mum and Dad.
One of the questions that's in my mind all the time is that New Zealand cricket have worked very hard on raising the profile of women's cricket over the last few years. And by and large, we feel like it has worked. But that's just us. So to test that out, I went out on Queen Street in Auckland a few days ago just to find out if other people felt the same way about it. The ICC Women's World T20 competition starts very soon. Who do you think is going to win? What's the ICC? <laughs> it's cricket, women's cricket. Oh, cricket. I don't really follow cricket Neither. Neither. I'm more of a netball rugby league. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's, it's Australia, England, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, Australia. South Africa. Australia? I'd say Australia. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely Aus. 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 I reckon Australia. I mean, yeah, I back, I back New Zealand, but I reckon Australia's going to win, if anything. The ICC Women's World 2020 Cricket Competition starts very soon. Who do you think's going to win? Oh, I don't even know who's playing. <laughs> I don't know anything about cricket. I'm so sorry. Fair enough. What about you? I literally have no idea myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> Fair enough. There's Australia, England, India, New Zealand. Oh, well, in that case, I'm going to have to go for my home team then. Which is what? Australia. I'll pick New Zealand just for... I'm here, so <laughs> might as well. <laughs> we don't have any idea. <laughs> no idea at all? No, sorry. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you some of the teams. There's yeah. Australia, England, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, yeah. South Africa, Sri Lanka, the West Indies, Bangladesh, Ireland. Yeah. Who, who would you pick out of that lineup? Maybe India. The ICC Women's World T20 Cricket Competition starts very soon. Who do you think is going to win? New Zealand. Why do you say that? Because they're excellent at cricket. The Australians. It's a popular choice. Why do you think the Australians? Because those bastards win everything. The ICC Women's T20 World Cup Cricket Competition starts in a few days' time. Who do you think is going to win? I don't know. <laughs> no idea? No. OK. You've got a mouthful of your burger. Shall I come back to you in a bit? No. OK, good. What about you? Who do you think is going to win? Is England a guess? England, England are definitely playing, yeah. I think, I think England's going to win. You're going to back England, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm going to back England. Good. And what about you? I'm backing England as well. What? New Zealand doesn't really do New cricket? New Zealand doesn't really do cricket that well. Like, they'll probably get beaten by Australia, so... Well, that, that's a prediction that often comes true. It's quite right. Unpopular opinion, but yeah. you know. <laughs> Good oh. But you had an opinion. You had to back New Zealand, you reckon? Yeah, always. always. Win or lose. All right. Back the black. Back the black. That's a pretty good catchphrase, regardless of this sport right there. But Hamish and Jimmy, are you surprised by that reaction, that people didn't really know what T20 was, who the White Ferns are, or that people here don't follow women's cricket? Yeah, it's a fun... In New Zealand, it's it's pretty hot and cold, I think, who follows cricket and, and who doesn't. And I guess, depending where you walk in Auckland, will probably be um, give you your results. Mm. <laughs> fair call, yeah. fair call. No, no, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think Auckland, like, Auckland's pretty diverse. And like all these sports, you know, half the, I wouldn't even say, wouldn't even know how many percent follow the Blues or, or you know. So, yeah, but I think I, I think it is a shame that, that, just in cricket in general, maybe maybe people only start following cricket when it's Christmas or, mm. you know, in New Zealand when the weather gets better, they finally think it's, it's cricket time. So, yeah, it's a shame, but I guess everyone, New Zealand cricket and the players and that are trying to push together to promote the game the best they can and, and hopefully with the initiative that's happening this season around the men and the women playing together, hopefully that raises the profile of, of not only um, the men's game but and also the women's game. Yeah, what does that mean for the Firebirds? Because you'll be doing double headers with the Blaze, won't you? I think it's I think it's really good. I think it's a chance for both teams to mix and mingle, integrate. Um, we can we'll go there and obviously um, give them heaps of support. And um, we've got actually got the Firebirds and the Blaze have actually got quite a good um, relationship. Um, 
guys and the uh, guys and the and the woman training in the gym together at the same times. So they hit indoors together at the same times, and there's actually a lot of cricket conversations um, between between both parties that actually happens. So. I think for, for both parties, it's only going to be a plus. Mm. Okay, tell me something. What is your most prized possession from anything from your cricketing career thus far? What's your most prized possession? I think the obvious answer is your test cap. Um, but I'm the same. I, I don't really... My, my favourite piece of sports uh, memorabilia I own is actually a signed Michael Jordan um, print of him taking his last shot as a Chicago Bull. That's my, that's my non-cricket sporting memorabilia um, favourite but I, I, yeah I, I, I sort of I have a, a playing shirt from each team I've played for um, those are sort of that's the only thing I really maintain and think is quite cool as a collection but I think that's more so for the like the memories and as Hamish said like the people you remember playing in that shirt with and sort of thinking back to you know, games or tours or nights mm. out or whatever you sort of think about that rather than sort of the runs and wickets and you know, the stump you took after you got runs in a game, they all sort of mould together a little bit. Really? Because you, you scored a ton on your test debut against India. Some other guy scored a few runs at the other end too. Mm. But what about that bat? Are you put that anywhere away? Are you sent to me talk about special bats, special moments? Uh, I honestly would not be able to tell you where that bat is. I've got I got a stump from that game that I got right. signed from the guys and a, and a shirt. But um, I think, I mean, I kept using it. It's sort of it would have got restickered for the next season or whatever. It's sort of it's not really a. I mean, you get a hundred on debut, you don't go right. I'll put that bat on ice and keep that right. for a. For this a, is a good bat. I'm going to keep I'm, this forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I might try and eke some more runs out of this bad boy. But well, that sounds like a pretty good treasure. And I tell you what, I, have you been through the museum um, at the Basin Reserve, New Zealand Cricket Museum? Oh, I went through a couple of years ago. Yeah, with Jamie Bell there. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jamie Bell is the curator there, and he was able to take us behind the scenes um, at the New Zealand Cricket Museum. And among the goodies is a rather special bat used by former New Zealand captain Trish McKelvey and I actually caught up with her recently to learn more about it. Kia ora Trish. Kia ora. We're in the New Zealand Cricket Museum and we're looking at a bat and it has your name on it. Can you tell me a little bit about this bat? Well it was the bat that I used to um, score a century in Wellington at the Basin Reserve Wow. Um, in 1969. That was the first century, uh, 155 not out and then in 72 um, I toured overseas and scored a second century over there so in South Africa uh, because we had six weeks in Australia and six weeks in South Africa. Wow, and um, and it's got written on it here, NZ Cap versus England 1966 in England, NZ Cap versus England 1969 in New Zealand, scored 155 not out, Basin Reserve, first test, 15th, 17th, 18th of February 1969, New Zealand record. Well, it was, male <laughs> or female. That's that incredible. Yes. I mean, scoring, because this is your home ground, isn't it? This is my reserve. home ground. Unfortunately, the wicket has slightly turned now because the main, the stand, the old stand is not the main sort of stand, mm. but this was what we used and some quite um, unusual changing rooms <laughs> and poor uh, bathroom facilities, I must add. Oh, so nothing's Even really then. changed. No. <laughs> so uh, I see it's grey nickels. Was that a preferred choice for you? Because, I mean, when I played, I really enjoyed using a kookaburra and then I, and then I went to grey nickels. Well, I only managed to get that in 1966 when I toured England, which wow. was my first team, time in the New Zealand team, and I was appointed captain, and we went to the grey nickels factory. 
If it hadn't been for that, I probably wouldn't have been using a grey nickels bat. <laughs> How did you choose this one? I mean, uh... I can't actually tell you <laughs> that now, but I mean, it was one of the few that were put out that we could um, choose if we wanted to keep one. When you reach that 99, or you're getting up to that century, what goes through your head? How do you deal with that? Well, I suppose I should go right back to the start. Um, I was number three. I'm sitting outside the pavilion here, uh, waiting to go out. And Edna Barker took a brilliant catch at square leg um, to dismiss Judy Dool. And uh, they all gathered around each other. And I raced out into the middle. So instead of being absolutely cut up in my stomach, I was reasonably relaxed <laughs> and faced the, sort of stood there leaning on the bat saying, well, you know, when are you going to get together sort of thing? Yeah. So I felt relaxed and I, I guess people say that when you, you're well relaxed and well in tune that that ball can, is as big as big and it was that day. Um, so yeah, I was delighted of course. We'll be bringing you a treasure from the Cricket Museum in every episode and you check out today's page to see a photo of that bat that we were just talking about. Hamish, question for you. At what age did you know you were fast? Well, in Timaru, I guess there was probably too many people who bowled fast. So I guess when James said that, around that age of 14, 14, 13, 14, 15, yeah. People were you were pretty much full grown by that stage or very close to it? Um, Have you seen him? <laughs> you saw a 14 year old looks like that, you're calling uh, the police. <laughs> yeah, no, I was pretty big at 12. Um, and then I just tend to get bigger and bigger, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't fully grown, but um, I was probably, I mean, close if not near on six foot by 14, maybe. I was looking at your ODI figures earlier on today. Good strike rate, good average, good economy rate. Was that your preferred format? Yeah, I enjoy one-day cricket, I think. Um, the thing I enjoy about it is there's always a result. I think when you play four-day cricket or test match cricket, you can really slog your guts out and give it all. And then if someone's determined enough to deny you, then you can just end up in a draw. Whereas a one-day cricket there's or T20 cricket, there's always something happening. You have to try and create a result out of nowhere if you're in trouble or if you're coasting then the bowling team's got to try and create something I'd like to introduce at this point Ravinda Huni who's the sports reporter here at RNZ is going to join us for a few minutes and is going to sit in for me on Saturday as the placement host while I'm away Ravinda welcome (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) now we've asked everybody this question so we're going to ask you straight away who's going to win Who's going to win the ICC Women's T20 World Cup competition? Oh, New Zealand, of course. The White Ferns. <laughs> I have to say that. I have to say it and I have to believe it, and I do believe it. And you're they the only person who's made a definitive call so far. <laughs> the others have all hedged. Look, so. one of us have to. <laughs> yeah. All right, so New Zealand's playing against India, right, mm-hmm. this week, and, um, and Ravinda, you have Indian heritage. I do. So who are you backing, New Zealand or India? Well, after my last comment, I'm going to have to say New Zealand, aren't I? Um, no. Uh, no, I do have Indian heritage and, you know, of course, they are great cricketers. Um, and my dad is probably going to kill me for saying this, but I, I will back uh, New Zealand. I, You know, we've just, uh, I've just been reporting on their warm-up match that they've just lost um, at the minute. And... Um, yeah, it, w- it wasn't a good sign, but hopefully, you know, they can take something away from that and, and really push for Saturday. I'm, I'm just hoping that they have a really great game. The win, might, yeah, might be a bit far-fetched, but um, I'm hoping that they do well at least. Jimmy, in these conditions, if you win the toss, what should you do? Uh, not having seen the pitch or knowing where they're playing, I'm going to say you bat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hamish? T- Totally agree, yeah, especially if... Um 
as the tournament goes on as well, with used wickets and that, you got to bat first and try. I think in uh, women's cricket, if you set a competitive, t- uh, a total, high total run rates, tend to be tend to be an issue. Run rate pressure, scoreboard pressure. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely bat first. Yeah, well, as Jacob Warren said, kind of that um, 130 to 140 is a is achievable in, in these kind of conditions because of the low and the slow. Uh, my pick is that we should bat first if we win the toss. Um, but I think we really have to worry because if India can scuttle our top order, then they might be in with the chance. Yeah, you can't think like that. Though, can no, you? I know, you this is think. true. <laughs> this gotta, is Zoe, the yeah, realist here. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think we've got some big big players in our top four, mm. that, um, and they've been around for a long time. They're senior women of of world cricket, and so I guess on the on the big stage, that's when you want your big stars to step up. So fingers crossed and touch wood and everything like that. That you know, hopefully this game Susie steps up, and the next game Sophie steps up, and then the game after Amy steps up because. The only issue is when all three of them step up on one day, then you know the next day that might not all happen again. Have you got a bolter? Is there anybody in the New Zealand squad who you reckon might surprise us, who we don't know too much about at this stage? No, I think that, well, from from what I know, I think the New Zealand squad's been pretty similar the whole for, for the last sort of year or so since they dropped a few players, I think about two years ago, maybe after the England, after the World Cup in England. So the squad's been pretty similar. So I think it's probably more about... The, the middle order probably stepping up and, and probably scoring at, at a bit more of a strike rate. And, and I think we probably noticed in Australia when um, after Susie and, and Soph got out that the, the run rate would drop a little bit and we'd chew up quite a few balls in the middle. So if those girls can rotate the strike and not necessarily about finding the boundary, as Zoe just said, you know, 130, uh, sorry, 140. I'm just going to interrupt you, swear jar, if those girls can rotate <laughs> oh, the strike. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> two swears, two you swears in the swear jar, one episode, it's going well. Yeah, um, yeah, that 130, 140, it is doable. Yeah, it is doable. It's, it's not always boundaries, you know. Um, mm. One of balls, 120, and then just relying on the old boundary here and there, so... Mm. Yeah, hopefully some of the middle order women can step up. Before we finish up, though, um, we get pro tips from from our guest host. So, Jimmy, what is what is your pro tip? Um, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here and say that technique is a myth. Technique is a myth? Yeah, technique's a myth, I think. Too many people spend far too much time worrying about where their back lift is and where their hands are and where their feet are going and not nearly enough time worrying about what's going on in their mind. So if you can, well, I mean, I recognise now. I think cricket is probably eight percent physical, ten percent technical, and somewhere around sort of eighty, eighty-five percent mental. And Whatever that leftover number is. Yeah, yeah. 80, eighty-two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think people then spend forty percent of their time in the gym for forty percent of their time in the nets, and twenty percent of their time actually worrying about what they're thinking when they're playing, which doesn't make sense to me. Mm, that's good advice. How about you, Hamish? Yeah, I'm not going to be as in depth as that. <laughs> well, don't do a po- podcast. Hit the same. Yeah, Hit don't, the strings. don't do a podcast in a sauna. But um, <laughs> oh, no, it's, oh my gosh, it is so hot in here. Um, it's, no, we just we're just mimicking the conditions yeah, that the, the West, white ferns yeah, are currently exactly. experiencing um, in the West Indies. Probably more useful for them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I guess the best tip that I've done for myself was. With bowling fast, I get a sore big toe, so cutting a hole in my in my hoof to um, 
to relieve the pressure. But making sure the hole's got to be precise because if you cut it too small, then your toe hurts. If you cut it too big, then you ruin your shoe. And the idea, the hoof is a shoe, yeah, not so, a foot. Sorry, yeah, your shoe. So how many pairs <laughs> of cut a shoes? hole in your foot will not <laughs> help. Yeah, the pro tip: cut it in the shoe, not the foot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. many pairs of shoes do you go through a season by doing that? Um, no, I no, I don't go through any that helps me. I sort of just rotate my shoes around, so I keep them sort of all in the same condition so they can last me as long as they can I'm for unfortunately I'm not sponsored like other players so it's got to come out of my pocket so I've got to um so if anyone's listening that would like to sponsor me but um so you, you got to respect your gear and look after it that's very good advice I think it's a perfect way isn't it Justin to wrap up the first episode of not your average cricket show absolutely Thank you very much, Jimmy Neeshan, Hamish Bennett, Ravinda Hunia. And Ravinda, you'll be back for the next episode on Saturday, immediately after the game, which starts at 4am in the morning. So thanks very much for sitting in for me on that one. <laughs> and we'll be joined by fellow RNZer and former minor county cricketer, Ben Strang. This was Not Your Average Cricket Show. I'm Justin Gregory. And I'm Zoe George. And we'll be back in a not average way very soon. Know Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by Zoe George and Justin Gregory. The engineer is William Saunders. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. Subscribe to every episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review, then the stars. It's dead easy and really important. This way more people get to hear about us. And if you want to share your picks for the winner of the ICC T20 Women's World Cup, then you can email us at cricket at radionz.co.nz. Noho oramai. Catch you later.